a Lifetime original podcast. No, I don't want to get canceled for smoking weed while pregnant. I love a Lifetime movie. Don't gender this conversation, please. And if you don't like it, I'll tell your wife about us. It's because they make women look like fish. Diane has now assaulted her second suspect. <laughs> because she's allergic to injustice. Wasn't there a time when we liked mayors? If someone made a voodoo doll of me like that, I'd be pissed. We don't need this. <laughs> <laughs> because the fact is, Jen, your behavior is selfish. It's confusing and it's not fair. Not to Sean and certainly not to me. You know, honestly, I think all of this conflict could have been avoided if you had just made up your freaking mind! Hey everyone, welcome back to the first I Love a Lifetime movie episode of 2022! I am one of your hosts, Naomi Perrigan, here with my New Year's resolution, Megan Gailey. Oh, put a bow on me and bring me. I'm like, the tree's down, so don't put me under the tree. There'll be little dead clippings falling on me. Happy New Year, Happy 2022. 2022, you're looking well. It's always a joy. That's what I say. And congrats on the special. Oh, if you guys have not watched it yet, it is so funny. Aww. It is streaming on Netflix Thank right you. now. I love it so much. Ugh. Um. Thank yeah, you so much. Whenever, whenever I see some of those jokes, you know I have a movie that I want to write based on one of those jokes for you. Oh, my God. Um, that city. I always have to go, oh, I got to do that. <laughs> I got to do that. It's on my it's on my to-do list. Write movie for Naomi. <laughs> Thank you so much. That is the dream. And Naomi, now that the special is out, you are basking in that glory, too. You also have a new exciting return to work. You know, when we started this podcast, everything was over Zoom. Yeah. We do this over Zoom. We've never done this in person mm-hmm. together. Uh, I was in a Zoom writer's room. You were in a Zoom writer's room. And now the world, it's cracking back open, whether we like it or not. And we don't like it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, I will be writing on season three of Mythic Quest on Apple TV, a show that I am also on. And... We, our writer's room is uh, located uh, about 90 minutes from where I live. And so that's what I do now. I, I go mm. there and then I, I work and then I come home. And because of the hours and the distance and because it's not a Zoom sitch, your girl gonna have to be like in and out on the pod. I mean, you know... You know this is my life. You know I'm devoted yeah. to Megan. Don't don't get me wrong, but we are going to have to have a couple guest hosts. We're going to need some people to help you on this journey, Megan, because I will not be able to every week, you know, watch a harrowing tale of survival. Ugh, and I know that that breaks your heart. It breaks my heart. And you and you will be in and out, and it'll only be a short little recess. Yeah, just a couple months. It. Just a couple months. Um, because TV shows, they're not that hard to write. Um, so she'll be back. But I will be having some really funny friends. These are all Naomi and Megan and Lifetime approved. Absolutely. They won't let me just, you know, bring my mom on seven times despite <laughs> her asking for it. And so my first guest co-host, a hilarious comedian, 
gorgeous. Mm, I stunning. Mean, stunning. That hair? of an actual Greek god. <laughs> and uh, a dear friend, so excited to be hanging out with him and breaking down a Lifetime movie with him. And I know Naomi will feel like we're in good hands as Jared Goldstein joins me as my first guest co-host. I approve 100%. And also, you know, I'm still going to be watching the movies. You know what I mean? I'm going to try to yeah. fit them in just so that I know what's going on. Also, hello, a 90-minute commute. I think I got time to listen to the pod if I'm not on the pod. So I'm keeping tabs, okay? I'm listening in. I'm finding out what's going on. I'll probably even like mm-hmm. leave you a voicemail with, I with think a thought. You should. I think you should leave us a voicemail with notes. Be like, <laughs> Megan, what were you talking about? And this, you went on a real tangent because I do need you to keep me on the straight and narrow. And without you, <laughs> off the rails, off the Who rails. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen? Please leave us a voicemail. Okay, Megan, I got to get my. I got to get my ass into this job, okay? So I leave the pod in your hands and I will see you in a few weeks. All right? I'm li- I'll be listening though. I know you will be. Okay. I'm, I'm so excited to bring you Jared Goldstein. All right, and as promised, joining me today from his sister's closet in Long Island. Oh my God, how exciting. How dare you? I'm in Brooklyn. Oh my gosh, I thought you were in Long Island. Don't you do that to me. I'm so sorry. I just know that you're from Long Island. That's true, I am. And this closet is honestly too big to be Brooklyn. Please welcome, also from Comedy Central, the gorgeous, the hilarious, Jared Goldstein. Hello, hi. I'm so happy for you to be here. I want the listeners to know that you have been vetted by me and by Naomi. And I honestly think, who two of the meanest bitches in comedy. So to get <laughs> the stamp of approval from Blacktress and Better Megan Gailey themselves says a lot. That's the Instagram handle one, two punch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to, I'm, I don't know if I've gotten enough followers from the show, so I'm just plugging myself too, you know? New, and while yes, we're at it, yeah. hey, Jared, hey. Hey, Jared, hey. Now, Jared and I have um, been friends since I moved to Los Angeles. You were uh, one of the first handsome gays my eyes brushed across, and I remember <laughs> texting another handsome gay, Joel Kim Booster, and saying, you've got the problem on your hands, mister, <laughs> because there is a younger man coming up behind you and not in the way you may like, and he is coming here. And so I have, I've loved you and thought you were so funny. Tell the people a little bit about your, um, your, Tell them what you are racially, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, viewers, listeners, I want you to close your eyes. Are they closed? Yeah. I now want you to imagine my gorgeous Japanese mother from Hawaii Mm. and my extremely tall Jewish father with blonde hair. Tall? Blonde? You don't see it every day. Wow. You don't. Um, And then somewhere right in the middle is your very present guest co-host on this podcast today, Jared Goldstein. Okay. And listeners, you will obviously know that this is very exciting to me on many levels because I am with boy child right now. (laughs) And I think some would say perhaps there's a gorgeous Irish princess and a 
dorky but handsome Filipino king, as I call him. With great sneakers? Yes, with an incredible sneaker collection. He has been a guest on this pod before. And we are coming together, and I am hoping our experiment looks as beautiful as Jared. Now, um, I just learned that your mom was from Hawaii, which island? Oahu. Gorgeous. And you were just there. Yeah, Surfer's Paradise is Oahu. I filmed a Comedy Central show in Oahu. (laughs) You did? (laughs) Yes. I filmed season three of Adam Devine's house party at uh, Turtle Bay. That's incredible. Which is the um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall Hotel and also the Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates Hotel. And then this time CJ and I were in Maui and we were staying right down the street from the White Lotus, which is actually the Four Seasons while. Yes. It's the most beautiful place in the world. It's so gorgeous. And from Los Angeles, it's a hop, skip, and a jump. I mean, there was a woman sitting in front of us, and I overheard her saying, you know, the the flight from Hawaii to LA is five hours. Mm -hmm. Then she was having to fly to Atlanta and then Philadelphia. And I'm like, bitch, at this point, just go to Turks and Caicos. Like, that's so many (laughs) flights. It also is amazing how long the flight is from L.A. to Atlanta in relation to the flight from L.A. to New York. It's like the same amount of time. I know. I know. You think like because you're flying back and forth from New York and L.A., you're like, well, every other flight's going to be a breeze. It's going to be half as long. They're all the same. No. And you know what? I actually watched a very fascinating 60 Minutes segment with my parents (laughs) (laughs) that was talking about how like we don't need to be flying this slow. We should be flying faster. And the fact that we have not progressed over this many decades and there's this like new plane, but I think it's called like the boom. The sonic boom is so loud that they tried to have planes fly really, really fast, kind of like the Concorde, but they were doing it over the States. And the sonic boom was so loud that it was like cracking people's like house foundation in half. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay, that sounds like a you problem because I'm trying to get to Atlanta today. <laughs> <laughs> My mom, she is from Hawaii. Yeah. From there, she moved to Long Island. Wow. And then has since moved to Staten Island. What? <laughs> she keeps moving to worse islands. <laughs> is it because she saw the Prince of Staten Island and she said, I got to get there? I don't know what it is, but she's going to end up on Rikers. Oh my gosh, I hope not. I'm a beautiful Japanese woman. I've actually seen your mom. She was on like a Zoom show and I loved her. She was oh my God. S- sitting on the ground in PJs and I said, oh, I remember this. What an audience. And I, I met your mom at yes, Chatterbox. Chatterbox. <laughs> and, and my mom has been a guest on this pod. We, of course, have to get your mom. Nothing- your mom was on this pod? Yes. And told Naomi and me that she thought my dad was going to kill her when they went to Machu Picchu. <laughs> and 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 so then Naomi asked my dad about it. And my dad goes, yeah, if the guy hadn't been there, I may have pushed her off. <laughs> God bless him. I remember when him. I was a kid and I, I learned what shaking, shaken baby syndrome oh, yeah. was. Yeah. And I, I told my parents, I was like, I can't believe it. Like, why would anyone shake a baby? And he was, and my dad was like, there were a few times I really wanted to. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's like why they had the ad campaigns because they like need it to pop up in your brain right then to be like, I know you want to shake this baby, but you cannot shake this baby. <laughs> 
Okay, on that note, <laughs> let's yes. talk about this movie that shook our core. Talk about our babies. Today's movie is Stalkers, starring iconic Sopranos actress Drea DeMatteo, Jody Lynn O'Keefe, and Mina Savari, and Henry Simmons. Talk about a, a crew. Mm. Stalkers follows a hot-headed cop and a polished district attorney who team up to bring a stalker to justice, inspired by a true story. Um, it came out a few years ago. It is on Lifetime Movie Club. And we are going to be joined by the one, the only, Emmy Award-winning Drea DeMatteo from The Sopranos later on in this episode. And I cannot wait for that. And real quick before we get into it. So we kept hearing Drea DeMatteo's name as Harkin in the movie. But we saw the official Lifetime description said Harper. So we went with Harper. But listeners, tell us what you think. Is her name Harper or Harkin? The mystery is unsolved. And maybe that's the point. Hmm. Okay, without further ado, let's get into it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so the movie opens. A woman is driving on the highway. It's all gray and dreary, and she makes a phone call. Listen to this. Hey, mom, it's me. Just thought I might catch the girls before you take them to school, but uh, I'm leaving Seattle now. So see you all in a day or so. And so you're like, okay, she's driving. She's going to see her kids. Then out of nowhere comes a menacing pickup truck and it is ramming up behind her until it hits her, which uh, as I see this, I'm thinking to myself, is there anything scarier than an angry white man driving a pickup truck? It was the biggest truck I've ever seen. Oh, it was big. So our gal, she's swerving. She's trying to get away from the pickup truck. It overpowers her and it pushes her off of a highway overpass. No. Mm. Okay. So then we see a woman down below who we will soon find out is a detective named Diane Harper, who is played by, yes, the one and only Drea DiMatteo. And she is watching the car fly above her in slow motion. Now, at first, I thought Drea was a bad guy who was down there in real time, like watching her this victim fall. Yeah, because um, she's got a cold look on her face. Yes, and she's got like a leather trench. And mm. honestly, that could read cop. That could also read bad guy, you know? Villain. And like, we know there's a thin line. So mm. then I realized as the scene goes on, no, we are getting a CSI-like flashback. Um, and so the car crashes into the ground. Our gal is still alive. I'm like, yes, thank you. But then the truck pulls up behind her. 
The man gets out. She is trying to get away. And I am screaming, lay dead, play dead. Just stay in the car, play dead. She climbs out of the car and the man goes. Where are you going, Abby? Hollis, don't. And then he shoots her dead. Oh my gosh. And the crawl, the crawl was so slow. I just... To, to play dead would have been smart. Because in my my mind, I was like, crawl faster, crawl faster. Oh, so you're saying crawl faster. I'm saying play dead, play dead. Yeah. But then the scene freezes, and we see Drea DiMatteo again looking at the scene in frozen time. So clearly we're starting to get that this is some reenactment of the crime scene. Mm-hmm. And after that, someone calls her name, and we're back to real time. And there are police cars, and ambulances, the whole nine yards. <sighs> and Detective Harper finds this gold pendant on the ground. She puts it in the bag, which I thought was interesting. She used the tip of her pen. To pick it up. Mm-hmm. No CSI? gloves. CSI? And the tip of a pen. Okay. I thought, hmm, interesting. Maybe not admissible in court, but for visual sake, we'll trade. I mean, it's Drea. You know, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> yeah, if she gets her fingerprints on it, they'll just, the, the judge will just go, that's Drea. It's Drea. It's fine. And so then she walks over to her partner and they have this exchange. She knew him. Not bad, Harkin. Not bad. Got Hollis Jameson. Same last name as the deceased. It's her husband. Yeah, that's right. We got him just west of here. Jackass tried to drive through a fence, wrap the axle. Told her she wouldn't get away with it. Wipe that smile off your face, you son of a bitch! Come on! Get him the hell out of here. What? Woo! She was gonna attack the shooter, and now I'm like, okay, I like her. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yeah, I would say that this is a cinematic device called foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. uh, And it is foreshadowing that our protagonist, Diane, is from Vegas. Yes. When I heard Vegas, I go, oh, Diane has seen some shit. Okay? Yeah, that explains a lot. Yes. And that is how we end our cold open. Whew. Naomi and I, we say we like to shoot out of a cannon. We shot off a damn highway pass. This one got going right away. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like we didn't even know the victim's name until her own husband. These husbands, you can't you can't trust them. And I'm about to Good celebrate my, my second wedding anniversary tomorrow. And it's like. Good luck, Megan. Oh, boy. Keeping my eyes open and on a swivel. CJ's going to ask for a pickup truck this You year. know what? He loves pickup trucks. Loves They are them. really fun. They're terrible. I, they, I but they're have, fun. They mean nothing to me. I do not want one. He goes, I'm going to have a job someday where I need a pickup truck. And I go, in what world are you going to have a job where you need a pickup truck? For making heavier memes? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Burying a body is a job. Yes. Okay. All right. I mean, if he's doing it for me, if it's an errand for me, fine. If it's my body, no. So then Detective Harper and her new supervising officer, Cliff, who I am very attracted to, okay? Um, Mm. He is my type. They're in the car. He's already reprimanding her. They're brand new partners, (laughs) and she's already messed up. She's like, you can't put your hands on a suspect like that. And it's like, okay, I mean, this is fictional, clearly. And she gives him all the way around sass. And since I'm your supervising officer, let me say that if you ever ever put your hands on another suspect in my custody i will have your badge are we clear isabel this broad is tough and then they start discussing the case listen to this 
You ask me, it's a simple case, a matrimony with a deadly weapon. You think what happened on that highway was simple DV? She had motel keys, a stove, a hot plate, a map. My ex took the lawnmower, so? So? She, she wasn't just leaving Cliff. She was running from him. <laughs> Come on, I'm gonna make it more than what it is. Look, marriage is a twisted institution. Thoughts, Jared? Well, okay. The heterosexual institution of marriage has always oh. been a disaster. Oh. <laughs> so whenever, so when Cliff started talking about, you know, is this just, is this like normal marriage woes? I mean, I think for him to even offer up that like, maybe it's just a marriage thing. It's like, uh, what? Uh, no, Cliff, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, no. An, an insane, insane uh, explanation for uh, for murder, for murder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, marriage, heterosexual marriage as we know it, is it's not working. 51%. Oh, my gosh. This feels like a personal attack on me. Okay, so <laughs> um, Cliff is hot. They're not going to get along. That's what we've set up. Both hot, you know? And it's like, honestly, when two people are that good looking, you do need to set up immediately if they're going to be enemies or sexual tension. And sometimes there's a thin line. Yeah, and there's nothing in between. No, with two no, absolutely not. These two, <laughs> a friendship, absolutely not. We couldn't, our, our viewers, we couldn't handle that. Okay, so then we jump to a very different scene with two lawyers, a woman named Julia and a man named Jacob, mm -hmm. who gives major douchebag vibes from the get-go. Yes. I mean, I, I liked him right away, so oh! I could tell he's a bad person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're clearly in some form of a psychosexual romantic relationship. If you gave me some real cases, I just want to make sure I'm using your talents in the best possible way. So she's asking him about a case and he's being really like, you know, the he he's got high school bully face. And so, yes, I do understand why yeah. you're attracted to him. And obviously, deep down inside of me, there is something attracted to him as well. And so they're about to really get freaky. And then <laughs> they have this exchange. <laughs> Oh my God, is that the time? No, 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 I think it's fast. No, no, it's not, it's not. Where are you going? The hearing's in an hour. Come back, I'll be quick. Oh, Jake, those are not the words every woman longs to hear. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I mean, he, he set himself up for that. Jacob, that's a softball you're giving her. He very much did. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do have to ask, where yeah. do babies come from? I mean, oh, I yeah. don't understand. The ins and outs of all of that. Yeah, so have you ever seen um, a blue heron? No. Oh, okay, so it's this really beautiful bird with very big, long, um, sweeping, like, strokes, and then very, very Okay, I'm listening, and gorgeous. So, um, so the blue heron, its cousin, is the stork. And the stork comes um, once you have a 401k and your husband has a 401k, and if he has paid off half of his film school debt, then the stork will bring you a gorgeous interracial baby. Okay. Yeah. Wait, I, this is a real question. Are storks real? I don't think so, but herons are, and they look like herons. Okay. And in Hawaii, I kept seeing a bird that looked a lot like a stork. <laughs> <laughs> no baby in its mouth, though. <laughs> no. No, it was eating a lizard. So it was on the It was, on the it was someone's baby. Yeah, it was the opposite spectrum of the circle of life. Okay. Okay. So then we're in a courtroom-like setting. 
There is a hearing that Julia is presenting why she needs a task force devoted to stalkers, which to me, I'm like, oh, I thought we had this already. Like, I didn't know we were still, I didn't (laughs) know people were disputing the existence of stalkers in the world. Um, Well, this was eight years ago, this movie. Oh, true, true, true. Okay. So maybe that's when. Yeah. So she's fighting the good fight and it's like a panel of politicians. There's men like nodding off basically. (laughs) And then the main man who I'm assuming is the mayor or the head of the city council who is the devil basically Mm. like pipes in and is like we don't need this and it made me be like wasn't there a time when we liked mayors i know i like the mayor from powerpuff girls okay and i feel like even when i was a kid and they'd be like this is the mayor you'd be like wow mr mayor and it was like an exciting thing i don't know anyone that likes their mayor right now and i'm Mm -mm. i'm talking far right far left Tough time to be a mayor. Yeah, very bad. And this guy, I think this guy really set the tone eight years ago. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm no fancy lawyer here, but these crimes that you're talking about, uh, assault, murder, whatever, I was under the impression these things were already illegal, no? In stalking cases, violence is only the final act in a campaign of psychological terrorism. I'm sorry, there's no way I am going to go in front of the people and tell them that I'm going to use a chunk of their limited resources for your hypothetical criminals. So this is the scene where we learn that stalkers are bad, Mm -hmm. but so is bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. And that is a mic drop, babe. (laughs) My microphone is plugged into my ears, so I can't drop it, but... It would be on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So we're immediately on the side of this district attorney, and I don't know if I like being there. (laughs) Um, So next we're back with Detective Harper. That's how many complaints Abigail Jamison filed against Hollis, and six restraining orders, and that's only in state. I've seen this before. There is no system in place to aggregate the data. And she's like, I don't think this case was closed because... Listen. I mean, Hollis has been hunting Abigail for years, and she never even stood a chance. Okay. Mm. Okay. Well, this is, um, I mean, this begs the question, how does he have a firearm? Um, You know, (laughs) he was obviously stalking her for years. They have children together. She was fleeing um, the state of Washington to even get away from them. Where are her kids? So sad. And Cliff is not happy with Diane. Now, you have friends in high places, good for you. But I'm not riding on some crusade that's going to embarrass this department and get my ass on the night shift. And you want to help people? Do your job. I am doing no, my job. No, your job goes like this. Victim dead, perp arrested, case closed. Report on my desk. Okay, I mean, I guess I understand Cliff is like, he's going to go to jail regardless. But is it is it like a statistics thing? Like... Is Diane like stalkers exist and the more that we're able to pinpoint that this is what that situation is, the better we're going to be at prosecuting and finding them? I think his take is just like, who cares? (laughs) We can't get them until they've done it. And then when they've done it, we put him in jail. Okay. Okay. But she's like, no, we got to get ahead of this. We got yeah, yeah, yeah. to help these people before it's too late because putting people in jail after the fact is not doing much. Yeah, because now there's two children that are orphaned um, because their dad is going to be in prison and their mom is dead. And you know what? This actually exists in the medical industry too, where people are like, instead of treating people when they're sick, let's be proactive and have people live healthier lives so they get sick less. 
Mm. I don't know what it's called. Scientology. <laughs> yes, that is. And they've got a gorgeous building over in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Detective Harper, we know how she's going to roll. She does not care what Cliff tells her to do. Mm-mm. So she's going to continue to investigate. Even in the movies where cops are doing something good, they're going against the system that we have been told is good. Like she's defying her boss to try and do the right thing. So I think we know the system is broken. Okay, so she goes to see another cop who is like the resident computer guy. And you know that because he's typing. And when (laughs) I first met him, Tim, Tom, she can't get his name right. You know I can't either. I was like, this guy, red flags all over him. We've got a stalker right here. And then he immediately helped her and I felt like a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I was just so taken by his secretive typing acting. Yes, yeah. He was good. No, he does this thing where he's like, and uh, the only people that know that password are me, a couple other IT freaks and a couple of the other higher ups. So if you'll excuse me, I actually have to do some work in that database right now. And then he types out the password for her. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I thought he was a stalker. (laughs) So (laughs) mean. Um, So now Diane has the password to get into the like database that she wants to be in. Now we cut back to Julie Lawyer Lady and Mm -hmm. she's taking a pill. But we never find out what the pill is. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think you know what the pill is? Birth control. Birth control. Yeah. Or an antipsychotic. (laughs) Ooh, that that would be a whole other movie. I know. I would love that. Um, I think that it was, I think it was a Claritin Mm. because she's allergic to injustice. Wow. Wow. Okay. So this scene is just her taking a pill. I love it. (laughs) And then we are back with uh, Detective Diane. She's going home and a car drives by and she doesn't like, you know, like she's got like those pricklies on her neck. And so she Mm -hmm. puts her hand on her gun um, and then the car just drives by and nothing was going on. But But the gun came out. She was so quick to grab that gun. (laughs) She's trigger happy. Um, We do see her house and it is so cute. It is yellow with a red door. And I said, "Ah, Diane, I love this. This is really cute. Um, next we see her inside her house and she has a son and that leads me to wonder who has been with the son this whole day (laughs) we didn't see a babysitter a spouse a dog uh, a neighbor nothing Henry's just been sleeping there like a little angel. And then Detective Harper is looking at the files. She's combing through this database and she finds these videos of a bunch of women who clearly have been abused and beaten. Everything you feel, they feel it too. You can get so close that you both disappear. And there is no more you. There is no more them. There is only us. And one day you realize they're living In your skin, uninvited. Oh my gosh. So as she is looking through all of these horrific um, videos, her son wakes up. Why are you up? You had the dream again. (sighs) I couldn't find you. Hey, baby, I'm right here. It was dark. I couldn't see. I wasn't alone. You're safe. It was just a dream, okay? You can tell that there's a past. 
that Diane and son Henry are running from. That's the vibe you get from like his wake up, his dream explanation and the way she consoles him. Okay, so the next morning, Detective's back at the office and she's using the login from the man that I thought was a stalker, who's actually a good Samaritan, um, to find out the address of one of the victim's testimonials she watched that night, the night before. Um, I, I was looking at her outfit and it did make me wonder, where do you think female detectives shop? Huh. Well, they do wear like long trench coats. Uh-huh. So I want to say... Is Bloomingdale still a store? Bloomingdale's is absolutely a store. I do. I I think we're only high end um, detectives are shopping at Bloomingdale's. I think I see so many bootcut pants mm. that, um, and you need kind of like a hefty um, waistband so you can clip your gun and your badge onto it. I was wondering maybe an express. Honestly, give it bootcut jeans. They're kind of coming back. Give it oh, like three months and you're getting bootcut jeans on, on ASOS. Oh, I, I, no, I'm seeing bootcut jeans everywhere. And like I used to love we I think in high school we called them like slutty pants. And they were like mm-hmm. those express like black bootcut like dress pants. Oh, my ass. Ooh. Just popping. Oh, if I had to get dressed up for a tennis match that day, wow. The heads would turn. I love like bell-bottom kind of pants because they make women look like fish. Yes, they make us look like mermaids. That's what we want. It's gorgeous. Okay, so Detective Harper goes to the address that she's found, and it looks like a um, haunted house. And I'm like, is this the stalker that lives there? I'm like, why does this house <laughs> yeah. look so bad? She knocks on the door And the woman the detective is looking for, named Jen, comes to the door. Here she is. I read your report. I know what you've been through. Are you nuts? Put that away. There's no one out here. Shows what you know. Maybe you'd feel more comfortable if we spoke inside. A rattled woman. Yeah. Jen does let her inside, but mostly because she does not want to stand at her door because she's been stalked for years. Um, Her name is Jen Andrews, and then they have this discussion about what Jen has been through. What is it with you people? What, you're going to make me some promises like that DA woman? What DA woman? I see her on TV from time to time. I guess I wasn't fancy enough for her. So don't show me your badge and tell me the law's on my side because I know damn well whose side they're on. So does Ivy. Ivy did this to you. The DA let her walk. And I'm like, what? A female stalker? A twist? A major twist. But I'm also a little mad because it's like, I don't know if we need girl-on-girl crime here. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. You think that if you ignore this long enough that she'll just move on. That is not how this ends, Jen. Do you see what you did? She knows everything. She sees everything. Jen, 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 I, I'm here to help you. Okay? You want to help me? Do you want to help me? Yeah. Do you? Yes. Then get the hell out of my house. Go! So next we go back to the DA's office with Jacob and Julia. And Julia, she's not playing. Mm -mm. She is not playing. She asks him for money. And he's basically like, LOL, maybe, but probably not. I wish politics were fair, but they're not. Look, if I can give you the money myself, I would. Actually, you can. What do you mean? 
Your discretionary fund. The Jameson case. I need you to plead it out. No, Jacob, I can win that. No, you can't. I've heard the witness can't ID the shooter. We're going to lose it and this office can't take another hit. And then Julia leaves and she runs into Detective Harper, which actually Detective Harper was waiting for her because this is the DA that Jen Andrews mentioned. And she confronts Julia about Jen's case. And Julia says this. Look, I don't like watching these scumbags plead out any more than you do, but this is the world we made. I can't change it, neither can you. My advice, let it go. I just left Jen Andrews' house. She said to thank you. I'm sure Ivy would like to thank you too. Do you drink, detective? Only when I'm working. Woo! Okay, now we've got Ivy on Jen, Diana, Diana on Julia. We got too many women fighting. Okay, women, we need to band together. Well, not Ivy. Ivy, we're not banding together with you. <laughs> um, so they go to the bar, they talk it over, and Julia is letting Detective Harper know that she wanted to prosecute. I wanted to help Jen Andrews. She wouldn't testify. What am I supposed to do? These are the rules that we play by. Look, you were supposed to protect her. I don't need to see these pictures. I have already seen these pictures. It is such a wild and unfortunate truth about the justice system that this has to happen. Why? I do not understand why it has to happen. I've had experiences like this in my family where this has been the where people have gotten a phone call and the phone call is if you don't come testify the person will walk. And it's Ugh. like, you have them in, you have them, what, what do they call that? In custody. You yes. have them. And we all know they did it. So why why do you need this person to come back, put their whole thing at risk, see them again, put them through all that trauma all over again? It's really, And it have to be cross-examined and picked apart by the defense. How about a Zoom? Let's do a Zoom. Camera I off. I bet they're Zoom Zooming camera now. off. I bet they're Zooming now. Now that I've heard Jen's story, I'm also like, Jen, you need to be in a high rise with a doorman and a security system. But then I'm like, what if a doorman's let her down in the past? You know, mm. doorman can be bought off. This haunted house can't be bought off. Honestly, the haunted house is, I, I'm not I'm not walking into that haunted house. I'm no. scared. Only, the only person is Ivy. Yeah. So then Harper brings out her trump card. I hate even saying that word. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Which is the pendant of Abby's two daughters. And she shows it to Julia and is like, this woman was killed by her stalker. And then Julia sees the pendant. And we know when people see this pendant, they go, I'm with you. But also, this is like her whole job. It is kind of crazy that it took that. I know, but I think what she's like, these DAs are like, listen, if I can't win the case, I'm not going to prosecute it. And I guess the, the fact that it is her whole job is what makes it easy to like disconnect and forget. Yeah. That pendants are out there. And yeah. Real. Yeah. And then we go to Jules in her office where the sleazy, sleazy, but I like him, politician, lawyer, Jacob shows up. And it basically becomes clear that Jacob was just stringing Julia along with this task force idea the whole time. Please don't lie to me, Jacob. You're terrible at it. You knew what Larry was up to and you set me up. Calm down. You sent me down there to tee it up for him so he could knock it out of the park. You need to see the big picture. Larry needed a platform. We gave him one. You gave him one. Yes, and now he owes me a favor. Good, because you owe me a task force. You want something to call your own, fine. You want to make a name for yourself. Maybe take a run at me next election? Bring it, sweetie, I beg you. 
but don't stand here and act like friggin' Saint Julia of the Meek when we both seen what you'll do to get ahead. And who? Wait, forget I said that. I'm sorry. Go home to your wife, Jacob. Okay, so I think he was promising her a task force um, to get in her pants. I think I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay, now you're the detective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is so messed up to be like, listen, I'll help you catch stalkers if you give me a hand job. Like, you're sick, Jacob. And of course, a you're a district man. attorney. But I will Ugh. say this, though. When straight people cheat, they are sort of queering the narrative of fidelity. It's a very gay thing to do, and I do support that. Yeah, um, yeah, but my yeah. Heart, oh, no. my heart 100%, goes out to that. 100%. But it is, he's basically, like, accusing her of sleeping with him to get the task force. And it's like, well, you're wrong, Jacob. You're the bad guy. Hmm. You're you're bad. You're the district attorney. You and the mayor. You should go play golf and look at weird yeah, pictures together. Yeah, it's like, together. you have a jawline. She has brown hair. Clearly, you're in the wrong. Exactly. Thank you. Okay, so then we cut to Jen Andrews sleeping in her haunted house, and she thinks she hears something, which, of course, the house is one million years old. So she gets up to check. There's nothing there. And then she's walking back to bed, and then we see the most dangerous thing you could see after an angry white man in a pickup truck. A blonde woman! (gasps) I missed you. Wow. I mean. And then the movie cuts to commercial. I Ah. mean, give us a break. What a cliffhanger. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. When we see the blonde woman, we now know she's Mina Suvari, an amazing actress. When I first saw her, she gave me real Hillary Rodham Clinton vibes. Oh, the hair. The bob. Yes. The hair was very, yes, like 90s Hillary. Yes. Okay, so we do not see her again. We do not know what happens because when we get back from the commercial break, we are back in the police station and Detective Harper is getting fired. What? I have spent the last 10 years building a team here, Diane. A team can't function without trust, without loyalty. So when I find one of my officers holding secret conversations with a prosecutor... Is it against the rules to talk to a DA? Is that what this is about? This is about trust. Unauthorized access into confidential case files is cause for termination. So then she gets a call from Julia. And while she's going down the stairs of the police station, she runs into Cliff and she hits him. I think I just lost my job. What did Alonzo say? Hey! What the hell? I think I just broke a nail. And I don't think you're allowed to do that. <laughs> Whether Well, here's the thing. She yeah. doesn't work there anymore. Right. Okay. She doesn't work there anymore. 
Um, She's but, a lady. It's fine. You know, cops are <laughs> coppers. And he could be like, you assaulted a police officer then. He could. But yeah. Cliff wouldn't do that. Come I know, on. I not know. our Cliff. <sighs> okay. So not then supervising they... officer Cliff. No. Then they find out the bad news that Jen was attacked last night by Ivy. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Harper goes over to Jen's. She sees the bruises all over her body, and Harper tells her this. Jen, my name isn't Diane Harkin. It's Gina Moretti. I grew up in New York, and that's where I met my ex-husband, Vincent. He was also a cop. That was why I married him. It made me feel safe. But when things didn't work out, he couldn't let go. And then the phone calls and the emails and the photos and the break-ins and the threats. And and then one night, he did this to me. Only three people really know who I am. And now you're the fourth. So by telling you this, I am trusting you with my life and my son's life, okay? Why? Because I need you to do the same. Wow. Okay, yes. I think we both sort of knew Julia or Detective Harper, their passion from this comes from having experience of it themselves. Yeah, and this goes beyond the law and her job. This is extremely personal for both women. Um, So she's actually not from Vegas, but good cover story because we bought it hook, line, and sinker. We were like, (laughs) this bitch is selling Sin City. And she's like, no, I'm from New York. Um, So then we see that Jen has come with... Detective Harper to the DA's office and she is going to be interviewed on film, which feels like a step in the right direction for prosecuting this case. Um, So they're talking about how Jen has to go on the stand to put Ivy away. And Jen is clearly apprehensive about it, but then she agrees. And then we start to see a flashback of the story of how Jen and Ivy came to be. Oh, oh, oh. What'd you call me? <laughs> Office party? Yep. I had to bolt before I did something I'd regret on Monday. <laughs> Nog? Don't mind if I do. Oh, okay. Well, that okay, hot. that Christmas scene was like, yeah, it was kind of hot. I'm office Christmas parties. You know, we don't anything can happen. I know at an office Christmas party and you can feel that we don't have them because we're comedians. But like I've been to them to entertain as the little clown, you know, that dances for them. But it does when whenever I see those plastic wine tumblers, I'm like Mm -hmm. someone's having sex with their boss tonight. Mm. (sighs) Okay, so Christmas was when they met. Then we see um, Jen's car is breaks down. And so then she gets into Ivy's like really fancy car and they're talking about the men in their lives. So what about your man? What, Sean? Mm-hmm. Sean's a baker. <laughs> wow. He's nice. Now that's relatable. Um, (laughs) And then Ivy writes down her number on Jen's hand. And then she's like, oh, that's my wrong number and licks it off. Uh, That was, okay. I have never seen that before. (laughs) And I thought if this was a damn man doing this to me, I would be, that would, I mean, wow. That would work. 
I would give you the keys to my haunted house. Listen, Mina Savari has moves, okay? Have you ever seen that move before? Um, I feel like I've, yeah, I, well, no. You've done it. I don't it. think I have because people don't have two phone numbers anymore. You know, like it's like, yeah. This, even, I went to the doctor today and it was like daytime phone, evening phone, work phone. It's like, <laughs> bitch, they're all the same. It's Imagine you take someone's iPhone to put your <laughs> phone number in and you're like, oh, sorry, wrong number. Ah, <laughs> and just lick the whole phone. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. So we're still in the flashback. Then we learn Ivy works for a bank and she was able to get into the system and cancel a loan that Sean was going to get to open up a bakery, which honestly, like this feels more Lifetime Christmas movie. Um, (laughs) And so then Jen is like distraught. She's like, I knew he was going to ask me for money. It's like, you're mad that he asked you to open a bakery? Like, that seems pretty innocent to me, Jen. (laughs) But she's upset about it. She's like, and now I'm all alone. And Ivy's like, you're not alone. And then we get what I would describe as a very sexy girl-on-girl scene. Mm, These famously don't work on me, but I felt something. Yeah, I I was like, <laughs> I was not expecting this to be a part of the film. Um, and I don't want to be feeling the feelings I'm feeling for Ivy and Jen right now because they together are electric. And now I feel like I'm yeah. on Ivy's side and I know I'm not. Okay. I was so excited when this twist came around. I think this is what the culture needs. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we cut back to the DA's room because, again, this is Jen just recounting the story. And she's like, should I stop? And the assistant who's filming it, this, like, young guy goes. God, no. Please forgive Brian. He's a virgin. Brian, come on. Be (laughs) professional. Okay. Jen finds out that Ivy is insane because she burned down Sean's bakery. (laughs) Well, she burned down my boyfriend's bakery. That was my first clue. I'm like, what was the second clue? That's when I realized it wasn't love at all. It was never love. It was only possession. It was only control. It was about who owns and who is owned. When my grandmother died, I moved to her house in the middle of the night, hoping that Ivy wouldn't find me. But she did, didn't she? Wow. So what now? Well, and then I'm like, did you, did you give him the money? Because last time when you guys hooked, like, are you and Sean still together? I, I'm i having a hard time tracking uh, Jen and Sean. Yeah. Um, because someone gave him the money for the bakery at some point because Ivy's bank took it away. So maybe Jen gave him the money and Ivy was so mad she burned down the bakery. And it's like, I oh, think he went on chopped. He went on chopped. Oh, okay. And won, and won the money. Great, yeah. great, great, great. Okay, then the thing <laughs> yeah. is, he's good. Yeah. Um, and yes, Ivy did make a voodoo doll with Jen's face on it. <laughs> like, I shouldn't be laughing. Well, you know, that's okay. That was a shady, shady voodoo doll that she made. Mm-hmm. That doll's hair was a mess. If someone made a voodoo doll of me like that, I'd be, I'd be pissed. Yeah, and Ivy, this is someone that you're like very sexually attracted to. Yes, so, like, it's like, can she a get good... a face framing curl? Yeah. Can she get a blended layer? Maybe a soft balayage. Like, that hair. I mean, woof. I think maybe that was the voodoo. Maybe she was giving her split ends. So, Jen finishes her tape testimony. And Harper brings her to the car to drive her home. And there's a note on Detective Harper's car that says, You can't protect her in rent. And Ivy is watching. This is a classic trope of Lifetime. Naomi's going to be so sad she missed it. 
Ah, evil person watching from a car. Yeah. I mean, I just bought my first car this year, and that's half of what I use it for. Oh, just watching people from a distance? Just spying on detectives who are getting in my way. Okay, I love that. From a distance. That's what that song is about. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So next we cut to Julia and Jacob. Jacob's in the DA gym pumping iron, and he's put too much on there because he's having a difficult time. And Julia's kind of like holding it against him to be like, listen, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get my task force whether you like it or not. And if you don't like it, I'll tell your wife about us. And then she says this. So your discretionary fund is being used for discretion. Making a huge mistake. Could have been a friend to you. Oh, but I don't want your friendship, Jacob. I want your job. Uh, I don't want your friendship. I want your job, bitch. Another great one-liner from D.A. Julia. Wow. Okay. So Julia is able to get Harper her job back. I thought she had it back since she was conducting interviews. Um, And (laughs) she gets paired up with her old supervisor, Hot Cliff, and they are not happy to be back together. Due to the largesse of the district attorney's office, we now have a funded anti-stalking task force. So you two had better kiss and make up because you're going to be working together again immediately. Him? Oh, no, 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 don't, Julia, please, no, no, no. You'll both be equals under the aegis of the Special Threat Task Force. You'll report directly to me. This is not going to work. Noted. So then we see Harper has gone to an office building that we find out is Ivy's. And she is waiting at Ivy's desk for her, and they have this interaction. Your boss said I could wait here for you. How can I help you? Well, don't you want to know who I am first? You're a police lady. What makes you say that? Your shoes. Okay, so Ivy has a question about the clothes, too. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, Ivy is a tricky one. Is is that a thing? Do you like? Do we okay? Do we think she actually means that, or was that her coming up with something on the spot because she wanted to feign innocence? Um, yeah, I mean, she obviously had been watching her and knew that she was a detective, and I think she's just being she's just giving a read. You know, she's using, um, yeah, it's an excuse and a read, which like Mama Rue would be like, bravo, you know, listen, you are a stalker, but your shade is good. Um, and so then Ivy, oh my gosh, not a great acting moment, but she's like, oh my gosh, I've been worried about Jen. Oh yeah. That boyfriend of her, Sean, the baker's muffin stink. He is very, very bad. I must have sensed something was wrong. That's right around when I called from my cell phone from Portland. Of course, you'd have to subpoena the triangulation data to find out exactly where I was. Next time you see Jen, we the last time you see anybody for a very long time. Do you understand? Are you threatening me, detective? Good. I have your full attention. And now you have mine. Okay. Threatening the sun, it feels like. Yeah. Okay, so then we see the task force, which Cliff and these other dudes, they're sitting outside of Jen's house. And it's like, finally, we've got some task force money for these men to sit here and eat a burrito. Um, And they're like... Harkonnen, our pet DA, have his babysitting girlfriends with relationship issues? Uh, Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. 
You know, that's it. We're done. Let's wrap it up. All units are released from this detail. And I'm like, what the? So, of course, Ivy is there waiting and sees them leave, goes into the house, and then she goes to attack sleeping Jen. But who's under the covers? Detective Harper with a gun. Bam. Now that you've mistaken my leniency for weakness, Jen, this time it's going to cost you. I freaking bought this hook, line, and sinker, too. Yeah. But here's the thing. What, what I loved about it, though, is it was so early in the movie that you know there's so much more coming. This is not yeah. how it seems. Yeah. And I just willingly was like, yeah, of course, these male police officers suck. Yeah. Um, but I love that they did like a little school play. That was fun. And then Harper confronts Ivy in the back of the police car, and they have this conversation. Well... It's like I have ESP. You think you've come between us, but you haven't. Nothing can come between us, not even death. And what are you? You're nothing. Think I don't know what you are? You're a frightened woman, alone, lost in the woods, thousands of miles from home. What did you say? What did you say? Hi, say it again, bitch! Enough. Say it again, Enough. bitch! Hey. Woo! Okay, so um, I love, yeah, I love that. More of that. Yeah, Ivy knows about the ex, and um, Diane has now assaulted her second suspect. (laughs) (laughs) Her fingerprints are everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, but then we find out that Ivy essentially walks for aggravated assault. Of course, and look, I thought I understood how the law worked uh, because I am a professional lawyer. Um, but this uh, Ivy getting released for aggravated assault made me want to commit ag- aggravated assault. I'm like, okay, this is like now a commercial for aggravated assault. Like, do it. Even if you get caught, nothing happens. How's Jen? Petrified. Romero and Cox are there with her. Cliff will follow her. What's going on? Something bothering you? Well, other than watching a five-star sociopath post and walk... We see Jen is back at home. She's getting into the shower and we get a close up of this like antique vent. And then we see Ivy is in the vent watching her in the shower. Oh, my God. Very what lies beneath. Uh. Okay, so now Jen is completely freaked out. She's leaving the house. Her Baker boyfriend, Sean, they're going to go set up shop, literally Baker shop someplace else. Jen, you can't run now. We'll be lucky to get breaking and entering. That's a misdemeanor. No, if if you go now, Ivy wins. She already has, don't you get it? She will become bolder, more violent. Oh, please, listen to you. My God, you are such a hypocrite. You want me to stand my ground? Sure, it's fine when it's my life is on the line. But what do you do? You changed your name and you ran thousands of miles from home, didn't you? So Jen is completely freaked out. Harper's freaked out. And she's asking Jen, did you tell Ivy that like I am hiding from a past? And Jen is like, no, 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 no. Girl, I got my own issues to worry about. But then Harper sees that she has missed calls from Ivy. Okay, not good. I've been calling and calling. Are you playing hard to get, detective? So how are things at home? Maybe I'll just stop by. Toodles. 
oh shit. So oh. Harper runs home and it's just the son and the babysitter. So there is a babysitter. I am happy to find that out. And they were just like doing something and the babysitter's phone was dead. But it does beg the question, why isn't Henry in school? <laughs> yeah. Also, I love that she called her phone her cell phone. Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah. Like, My cell battery died. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> vintage. <laughs> Then we cut to later that evening, and there is a thunderstorm, of course, uh, and the power in Jen's house goes out. Sean, the baker boyfriend, goes down to fix the breaker, and Jen calls Harper, convinced that Ivy is in the house. Uh. In the meantime, we see between the flashes of lightning that Ivy freaking is. She is in the house, and she's right behind boyfriend baker Sean. Sean! It's fine, it's just the power's gone, all right? Just stay where you are, I'll have it on in a minute. Oh no, so the next thing we see is that Ivy has both Jen and Sean tied up. She has a gun and Harper, Cliff, and a SWAT team are set up outside. And then we hear Ivy's craziness really jump out. See, I've given our problem a lot of thought and I realize now that what we have here is a lack of resolution. And that, frankly, Jen, is your own damn fault. Because you haven't made a decision. You know, honestly, I think all of this conflict could have been avoided if you had just made up your freaking mind! <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, I mean, I guess I do relate to being confused about Sean and Jen's dating timeline um <laughs> yeah so, we all need answers <laughs> yeah i'm like okay i thought you thought his baking sucked i thought you weren't giving him the money for the bakery but like he's definitely living here and it seems like you guys are <laughs> together so like listen ivy wants the answers i i just want it cleared up i'm not gonna hold a gun to your head though um but then okay so the swat team is starting to break into the house but they do it loud because they're clunky and um so Ivy hears this and then she shoots. And at first we think that she hits hot Cliff, but then we realize it's Harper's blood that is on Cliff. Ah! Where's all this blood coming from? It's okay, it's nothing. I, I love those stories. When you hear about like real gunshots and like real stabs and real things, and everyone's like, I didn't even feel it. I didn't even yeah. know. I just saw the blood and that's how I knew. I'm always like, wow, the human body is a wonder. I'm in, I I'm mean, in wonder. If we get stabbed or shot, it's going to be like, ah! Like, there's just <laughs> yeah, not a yeah. world. Like, I, I can't even get a Brazilian wax without them being like, are you okay? <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the house, Ivy has ripped the tape off of Jen's mouth and puts a gun to Sean's head and says, him or me, choose. I can't. Please, no, don't make me. No, I, please. You know what? You're right. You're emotional. No one should make a permanent decision based on temporary feeling. That's right. That's right. Let's just calm down. So let's take emotion out of the equation. A simple comparison. Kiss him. What? Kiss him. Kiss me. Then choose. Okay, so we've got a kissing standoff. <laughs> I mean, this is I'm this, I'm I'm into this. I'm like, yeah, let's get like, weird. Okay, just kiss them. Like, yeah, we're like, like 45 yeah. minutes in. Let's go. 
And like they do eventually kiss. Um, yeah. So as she's holding a gun to them, they do kiss and a kiss that's like longer than I thought it was going to be. And then Ivy says, my turn. But just as she's about to do it, the SWAT team finds their shot and they take it. But she's like bending down to kiss. So we see the slow-mo of the bullet missing her. And then the SWAT team is in and Ivy's vanished. Tell me about her. She's not inside. We got confirmation the house is clear. Nothing? Nothing. What? Gone. Wow. And the next morning, we see our douchebag DA, Jacob, talking with one of the big political dudes who initially turned down Julia's task force, and they have this conversation. What's the story tomorrow? Coulter budget cuts endangered cops? Or eager ADA blows raid? Which do you like? The latter, Mary. Sir. Good thinking. Because if you let Julia Winston off the hook here, there's another headline. It starts with your name. Okay, so they're basically going to throw Julia under the bus to be like, see, we don't need a stalking task force. And it's like, Mm. I don't know if that's the lesson here. So we see Detective Harper. She's at her house. She has her arm in a sling. And she's watching the news with her son and Cliff. And they start talking about this on the news. And I'm like, Henry needs to be in school, okay? But then Cliff gets a call from Julia. Hey, Julia. Yeah. Okay, I'll meet you at Jen's. Uh-huh. All right. All right, I gotta go. Nice meeting you, little man. Bye. And of course, Harper follows them. Even though she's supposed to be on, like, bed rest or whatever. <laughs> Her arm's fine. She didn't even know what happened. <laughs> Next, we see Julia and Jacob talking in the office, and they have this conversation. There's no team. I beg your pardon. It's done. Your little stunt was fun, but the powers that be have noticed. They're going to hang this fiasco around your neck. My neck? I am not the one that let Ivy slip away. You still don't get it. Someone is going to twist in the wind for this, but if you shut it down now, I can protect you. Wow. Someone's going to twist in the wind for this. Okay. Your task force is dissolved. It's done. You or your band of idiots go near this case and you'll be a P.O. in Pasco before sundown. So then we find out Jen's out of here. She's like, you guys have not, you had a SWAT team and you couldn't even get it done. So Jen and Sean are leaving separately, unfortunately. So we do finally have the answer on their relationship. They have decided to break Mm. up. It's obvious that Jen is not doing okay. I know this has been difficult for you, is difficult for you, but we're very confident that we're going to have Ivy in custody very soon. In the meantime, if she tries to call you. Ivy's here. No, sweetie, she's in Canada. She'll be back tonight. I wake up and she's here. I wake up again and she's gone. I don't know which one's the dream. You wouldn't know, would you? And then Harper shows up, even though she's not supposed to, but she's got that little glimmer in her eye. Like, she's got an idea. And so she starts going through the house and, like, seeing where the bullet was and seeing where all the characters were frozen in place during that time. And Ivy's in, like, a Matrix backbend as the bullet whizzes by her. And then Harper spots one of those antique vents. It's a very small vent. Right? Very, very small. And I would say, I don't know that a human could fit comfortably down there. Yeah. Uh, But I would say that 
unrealistic beauty standards strike again? I think Amina Suvari could, you know, like a Hollywood actress could. Yeah, I mean, you, you gotta know, have some tiny shoulders to get tiny that. shoulders, tiny hips. Um, so the antique vent leads them all the way into the basement where Ivy has basically been living parasite style. Like there's a full blown weird true detective shrine. There's also sushi. Like I'm like, this bitch was living down there and getting takeout sushi. Oh, wait, I missed the sushi. Where was, there was the sushi? There was sushi, yes. She had, she posted up Evanston. I'm like, no PB&J for Ivy. She's like, listen, if I'm living in the woman's basement, I'm stalking. I'm going to eat well. Wow, she's having a sashimi plate tonight. <laughs> Sugarfish, you know where I am. Yes, the basement of Jen's haunted house. Thank you. <laughs> so while the police are taking all their stuff to go back to analyze, etc., Harper gets a call from her son. But of course... Who is on the other line but Ivy? Hey, baby. I'm going to be late tonight. I'll make it up to you, though, okay? I know you will. You took what belonged to me. Now I'm going to show you how it feels. I sent you a little something. Okay. Oh, boy. And then we see a video of Ivy with Henry the son. Okay. I want to say, let's give it up to Diane's son, Henry, because he was very well behaved in that video. He sat there very nicely. He let her speak. If that was my niece, forget it. She'd be screaming, crying. Video's ruined. She's reaching for the phone. Let me hold it. She's not cooperative, not with terrorists or her (laughs) uncle. I think Henry has lived through trauma and he's like, I just sit here. You know, he's like, there's a blonde woman and I have to listen to this blonde woman. (laughs) Yeah. So then we see Julia and Harper basically guilting Jen into helping them get Harper's son back. Like, Jen at one point is like, I'm the victim. I don't need to be doing this. This is not my fault. Not your fault? Wait, wait, wait. Is, is that what you're going to tell yourself when you're reading about my son in the paper? Okay. I mean, I'm kind of on Jen's side here. Like, what? Yeah, very much so. So Harper and Julia, they're going rogue, though, and they're bringing Jen. So Jen and Harper get to the museum. And they find Ivy and her son. They chase after them. And then there's a standoff in some sort of like mechanical room. Stay back! It's okay, baby. It's okay. It's okay. Let him go, Ivy. I'm here. Come to me, Jen. No. Not until the boy is safe. That's not how this works. You don't make the rules here. I make the rules. This is my game. Well, then I'm staying right here. Unless you send Henry. Then she does get Henry back. So then Jen goes over to high Ivy and starts like beating her up. Kind of. <laughs> and then Ivy shoots her. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, this was their plan. Yeah. The logistics were very shaky in that moment. Yes. Because then I'm when like, Henry runs to mom, she like she squeezes him with this big gasp of relief. Yes, but Ivy's still right there with right. the gun. Right, she and could she shoot both of you front. dead. Yes, <laughs> she shoot, she holds him in front of her, closer to Ivy. Yes, like he's a human shield. And and I'm also like, yeah, Jen was right. She is the victim, and now she is shot in this weird mechanical museum room. Yes. But what I do love about this entire movie is there is this suspended belief about how quickly bullets can move. (laughs) And I'm here for it. Like everyone, like you can dodge a bullet in this world. If you, if you believe in yourself, you can get away from that bullet. Yeah. 
if you believe hard enough. Um, yeah. So Jen is shot. She seems fine. Um, so Cliff and the police show up because they've been like tipped off that this is happening. And Julia runs after Harper, who is chasing down Ivy. So Ivy has run up to the roof and she has her gun and she is going to shoot whoever comes out of that door. And it's Julia. But just in the nick of time, Detective Harper shows up and shoots Ivy like in the leg um, as Ivy was just about to shoot Julia. Mm. Wow. And then, oh boy, they have this interaction. I give up, Detective. Pick it up. Do it. No, I won't. No? Search yourself. And um, Julia's just standing there like, well, this is definitely illegal. <laughs> yeah. I was really not expecting that. I do guess, I guess it makes sense because Ivy would compromise, quote, Diane's identity. And so she did need her dead. Wow. The way that went over my head, but the way you <laughs> caught it all, I'm like, cool. They were sh with women shooting. Fun. <laughs> I'm a scholar. I'm a lifetime scholar. Um, so, yes, my fear is that Julia is a witness to this and is going to tattletale. That's what you that's what it's called. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Tattletale on Harper. And now we're going to have another child that has no parents. So we cut forward in time. We don't know how much. And Julia is leaving some sort of justice building and. Harper is waiting there for her, which I'm like, I that meet me at the justice. Yeah, building. that's not you're not playing it cool. So Harper's basically grilling her about what she said in her testimony. I said from my vantage point, I didn't have a good view. So you said you didn't see? No, I said I didn't have a good view. I couldn't tell you what I saw. But then I'm trying to tell you that at a certain distance, it's hard to distinguish one thing from another. For example, I once saw a cop and a criminal go through a door. Only one came out. From that distance, I couldn't tell you which. I was hoping it was the cop. Okay, so Julia's not going to tell on her. And now I'm having conflicting feelings because it's like, yes, I've obviously grown to feel a soft spot for Harper and Henry and Julia. But now I'm rooting for a prosecutor covering up a cop doing something illegal, which is... You know, obviously what we protested for. <laughs> so I, I don't, you know, I don't know how to feel. I, I'm torn. So then we cut to the police station and we are back with Tim Tom, computer geek, who I thought was a stalker, who's actually a nice person. And he shows Harper some unsettling files from Ivy's computer. And we find out that Ivy had figured out exactly who Harper was. And this. Well, I, I can explain. You don't have to. I like Vengeance Man 323. Ivy communicated with this alias over 40 times in the past two months. Uh, he was very interested in finding Gina Moretti and her son. She was a cop in New York City. Who else knows? I was just about to ask you the same question. Okay, so not only did Ivy know who Harper was, she had been in contact with Harper's ex-husband and had told him where to find Harper and their son, Henry. Damn. Wow. So, I mean, this is that we're towards the end and it's like, we've got a whole 
crazy person still on the loose. So then we cut back to Detective Harper's really sweet house and Cliff is playing with Henry. Lucky kid. And Harper's cooking dinner. I love this. This is when you know, like, things are good. If someone's mm. cutting vegetables, they have reached <laughs> yeah. They have reached the calm part of the movie. And she gets a phone call. Listen. Hello, Gina. Listen here, you son of a bitch. I know she told you where I live. But here's the thing. I'm not afraid anymore. No. It's your turn now. And you better run. Because I'm coming after you now. You understand? And I'm not going to stop until you're dead. That's right. That's right. I'm not afraid of you. Okay? I'm Gina. I'm going to be Gina. You can know what my damn address is. And I'm actually, I'm coming for you, bitch. You're not coming for me. Love And it. she's already got a knife in her hand. Yes, I know. She's ready. And, and she's got Hot Cliff there. And she's got a task force. And a dumb mayor. And a mean prosecutor so my money my money's on gina roll credits i think it needs a sequel i want to see her hunting her ex-husband now all right so wow i think since jared you're joining me for the first time we should take it back to naomi and my roots with a game we call real hero real villain where we pick a person, an unsung hero of the film and an unsung villain of the film. Villain, I'm obviously going, obviously going to say the sushi delivery man. Because if he <laughs> had not delivered sushi to Ivy in the basement, this bougie bitch, she wouldn't have been able to survive. Okay? So they were helping keep her alive. They're complicit. I would um, mm -hmm. prosecute them as well. Real hero. Hmm. Gosh, part of me wants to say Jacob's wife for being married to him because he's so terrible. Maybe even Julia's personal trainer that she was able to be as strong as she was. We just have so many good heroes in this. I know he's like kind of supposed to be a curmudgeon, but my hero, hot, sexy Cliff. Um, he does great role playing. He plays with the son. He's obviously going to help Gina track down her husband. So, yeah, I'm picking a man. <laughs> Do you have any heroes or unsung villains, Jared? I too. I'm going to pick a man too. My okay. real hero is Baker boyfriend Sean. Wow, yeah. He's doing the Lord's work, okay? Uh-huh. He's he's bringing tarts. He's bringing cupcakes. He's bringing meringues. What more do you want? This right. man is trying to bring sweet, delicious pastries to this life. Wow. So he's star baker for me. Mm -hmm. um, and my real villain. I mean, can my real villain be the real villain? Yeah, of course. It's Ivy, but not for the reason you think. Mm -hmm. Not because of all of the, you know, violent behavior um it was for the voodoo doll i, I can't yeah. that voodoo doll was so rude and yeah. so not necessary she didn't have to do that she could have made it cute yeah but we did say that pff, ivy legendary reader i mean <laughs> almost the shoes than the hair yeah, yeah she really <laughs> she just takes people to task well the good news is we have the real hero of the film Stalkers here with us today. You will know her from The Sopranos. Ever heard of it? And she is the co-star for a new Lifetime movie, Safe Room, which is premiering Saturday, January 15th at 8, 7 Central. 
The movie centers on recently widowed Lila Jackson and her 14-year-old autistic son, Ian, after Ian accidentally witnesses a break-in in the house across the street and records the horrific murder of the homeowner. Lila becomes embroiled in a deadly struggle to protect her son from intruders Dominic and Rocco, Drea de Mateo, who will stop at nothing to retrieve the video evidence of the crime and silence them. That is Safe Room premiering Saturday, January 15th at 8 p.m. 7 Central. Now, please welcome star of that and Stalkers and The Sopranos, Drea DeMatteo. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hi, guys. Hi. How is everyone today? Good, how are you? I don't know. My anxiety's through the roof right now. Oh, no. You guys have your hands full. <laughs> All right. So Jared and I are so excited to be joined by an Emmy winner. I mean, and the new co-star of a Lifetime brand new movie, Safe Room, premiering Saturday, January 15th at 8 p.m. Please welcome an icon, Drea DeMatteo. That's scary sounding. Oh. That sounds scarier than the than the movie calling me an icon. You are an icon. I mean, you look like you're sitting on like a church pew right now. I love this. Oh, I, I am. My house is like a church. Everything in it is kind of church related. I don't know. Must have been some past life stuff. When I was packing up my house, I was like, wait a minute. Am I overly religious and Catholic? And I'm not even really. But I collect all this sort of stuff, so. Yeah, I mean, for what the Catholics don't do well, they do have some nice architecture. They yeah, the really... churches are great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes, those big white steeples. Um, so, Drea, we are so excited for Safe Room coming out this week. Happy New Year. Starting the new year with a new film. So we Happy were new so year. excited. We had to go back into the Lifetime vault and watch your first ever Lifetime movie, which was Stalkers. And we absolutely, I know they're saying it was eight years ago. And I'm like, it looks like it was yesterday. You look younger here on the Zoom than you did in Stalkers. The reason why I had done Stalkers was because I had a stalker. <gasps> and it took, it took me, when I was much younger, when I was um, living in New York, I was in my 20s. I don't even know if I was on TV yet, or maybe I was just starting out. But, um, but it cost my father thousands and thousands of dollars to keep me safe. Oh my God. I mean, you can tell that that's sort of what your character is, is supposed to be doing. You're a police detective who is, 
moved across the country, uprooted you and your son. You play the protagonist in Stalkers. In Safe Room, you're the villain. And in Sopranos, you were a little bit of both, which we call range, honey. But what what do you like playing? What are the characters that you like playing the most? Well, in Sopranos, I know a lot of people always say that she was a little bit of both, but she actually wasn't. She was the sacrificial lamb. But a lot of people, because she was tough and she had a filthy mouth and she was kind of sassy and brassy and anybody from New York, you just assume they're tough. But Adriana was um, was so soft and, and she was a victim. And then I always get hired to play the victim after that. I've been playing victims ever since. But in this last year, um, I've only taken a couple of jobs since the pandemic and it's, it's, people are only coming to me to play supervillains. Wow. And, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, it couldn't be more opposite of who I am, you know? So, so yeah. So fun. You mentioned the pandemic. Um, I, I feel like I have so many friends that are rewatching Sopranos or people I know watching it for the first time because everybody's had, you know, this influx of time over the last year and a half. You on Halloween, especially you see so many Christopher and Adriana couples, couples goals. What is it like? I mean, the show has been over now for over a decade, what is it like for it to still resonate and still be so relevant? It's definitely weird. I'm, I can't, I don't know how to even wrap my head around it. I've become so used to it over the years. I mean, I was in my twenties and now I'm about to be 50. So, and I mean, it, it, it's, it's really the only thing I walk out of the house and it's, it's boom, it's Adriana, yeah. Adriana. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. And I can't believe that 20 years later, you know, I still get the request to do press on the Sopranos. And, um, and yes, I do. And I did those um, cameo things for a minute. Uh -huh. and, uh, and it was all kids in their 20s yeah. requesting my cameos. And I'm like, kids in their 20s. And then um, James Gandolfini's um, widow, she sent me an article from GQ during the pandemic. And she was like, it said that the show was up 176% in viewership. Wow. So it's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> now, this is your second Lifetime movie. You are now a Lifetime queen. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Is it hard for you to watch yourself in things or you're just naturally like not a part of the biz in that way? I probably am not a part of my own industry. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what's going on, period, at the moment, even on the news. I've had to kind of turn some things off. Like, Absolutely. As I'm sure everyone has. I mean, we always say that that sort of lifetime is a good escape from the world too, because it, you know, sometimes it's ripped from the headlines, but uh, a lot, of, you know, it, they're very, the, the bad guy loses and that feels good. And that all, doesn't always happen in the real world. And right. so seeing it play out the way you think it should, quote unquote, in lifetime world is very soothing at times. Yeah. And um, I, I grew up on it. Yeah. Anything you're looking forward to or anything exciting, any projects you can tease or fun family stuff you're doing in the new year? Um, well, we're moving. Okay. We're, we're, we're packing up our house. We're, we're, we don't know where we're going. So we're excited. So we're definitely on an adventure in the new year, hoping that we find some peace some someplace. Ugh. 
I wish that peace for you and for all of us too. Yeah. Um, Safe Room premieres this Saturday, January 15th at 8 p.m. Drea, thank you so much for stopping by and chatting with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Stalkers was, I I venture to say fun. I know it's a heavy, heavy topic, but I think this movie really did it justice. And I'm so happy we got to talk to her. Next week, we have a title that is jumping off the page for me. Listen to this, Jared. Blood, Sweat, and Lies. Uh. And this, this log line is classic. A recent gym junkie's new personal trainer starts to take their relationship to dangerous levels. You had me a personal trainer. I know. Um, so you can, I'm in. you can watch us along with Jared and myself on Lifetime Movie Club. We are going to be in the gym. I will not be working out while we watch this, but I will count watching this film as working out. And I allow all of you to do the same. <laughs> Jared, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. And we will see you guys next week. Blood, sweat, and lies. Sexy, kind of. Bye. Bye. I love a Lifetime movie. If you love Lifetime movies as much as we do, tune into Lifetime and LMN to watch all the new and classic movies that we can't get enough of. Check your local listings to find out what's airing on Lifetime and LMN because it just might be the movie we talk about next. This podcast would not be possible if it was just Naomi and me, for sure. Absolutely not. (laughs) I Love a Lifetime Movie is produced by Julie Magruder with Chris Boniello as editor and sound mixer. Executive produced by Jesse Katz and Ted Butler with original music by Blake Maples and hosted by me, Megan Gailey. I hope you knew it was hosted by me. Oh, and Jared. Hey, it's me, Jared. <laughs> I, it feels like we don't even need to say it, but we'll put ourselves in the credits. 